ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 15 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams, and I'm joined, as always, by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Well, UCF can't stop winning conference championships, and that's really cool. They've, uh, they're have they now up to four since Terry Mohajer arrived, as compared to 12 during Danny White's tenure. Although, you know, to be fair, the coaches that have won them uh, in Mohajer's tenure were hired by Danny White. So don't want to do the comparison thing too much, but still pretty cool. A great start to the Mohajer era, and I don't think he has too much work to do in terms of uh, firing and hiring new coaches as of right now. But I'm going to go ahead and bring in Christian Simmons, my friend. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing swell. UCF just keeps winning conference titles. Um, apparently, they're going to be able to make the playoff every year within a few years in football. <laughs> so all kinds of good news. It's, it's nice to know that you're doing swell. That's the first time I've, I think I've ever heard you say that word <laughs> um, in the few years that I've known you. But today, uh, we're going to talk We're on episode 15. And we're kind of getting into the official or officially into the, the days without uh, UCF football to talk about in terms of, you know, spring football's over. The season's not for, you know, a few months now. So we got to get creative. And this one that we're talking about today is an evergreen topic until something finally ever happens with it. And that is college football playoff expansion. It's more than evergreen right now with some of this news coming out. That is true. Yeah. So it's, it's current right now, but in terms of, you know, what it is, what it's been in the, the, all the news that it just continues to be a conversation. It's, it's pretty evergreen. I think you can, you know, things might change in terms of what's being talked about currently, but it's still one of those topics that you can just at any point bring up and say, you know, this is what's going on. This is what they should do. This is what they're not doing. And yeah, I don't know. We never know what's what's going on with that. And hopefully they're making progress towards it. And, you know, that's what we're going to talk about tonight is, is what's going on currently. What are some of the pros and cons of some of the scenarios that they're bringing to the table and um, what these formats kind of uh, would have how they would have affected UCF in the 2017 and 2018 seasons. And Christian, I think of the two of us is the expert on this. So he's going to carry a lot of this. So Christian, what's going on right now in terms of uh, what the committee's talking about in, t- in the in the scope of expansion? Well, first off, for those of you that don't know me, this is like my favorite thing. Like I love the higher level college football stuff. Like what's going to happen to bowls? Like where's this? Where is the sport as a whole going? Which conferences are going to be aligned? What like all that higher level stuff? Like I just love. So like the last week for me has been like freaking heaven with all this expansion stuff. So for those of you not keeping up, basically how this all started is the playoff committee, which they regularly have meetings, the playoff committee, not, not the actual committee members, but you know, their oversight committee and all that type of stuff. And they just casually dropped. They're like, Oh yeah, no, we had a meeting this past week. And for the record, the playoff itself has never mentioned expansion. It's always been like media. And they're just like, so we talked about expansion. Um, we talked about, you know, some 16 models, eight team, 10 team, 12 team, 16 team, all in all, we went through 63 different scenarios of expansion and really talked them all out. And that's something we're going to work on going forward. So that already was like, holy wow, because they've never acknowledged that. So that was already a big deal. And it was also surprising because I feel like, and Bailey, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we've all essentially assumed that the playoff will probably expand when the current contract ends in 2025. And it will almost certainly go to an 18 model. I think that's been, yeah, what everybody assumed. So when they come out and are like, we're talking about all these different formats up to 16 teams, it's like, whoa. But I, I, just, I just took that as whatever, that they're just doing their due diligence. Then The Athletic drops a super interesting story this week, which is beyond anything I would have imagined, which the first big thing is that they're not targeting 2025. They're targeting 2023. We could be in the second to, we could be in the penultimate year of the 14 playoff in 2021. I mean, they're looking at this soon. And the second big thing was that they are, eight teams is not the model that's gaining the most traction. 
according to the athletic, the 10 team and specifically the 12 team models are the ones that they're most interested in possibly going to, which is like a dramatic shift from where college football is at right now, but would be obviously incredibly advantageous for a program like UCF. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of any expansion, I think would, would favor UCF, but I think going to 10 or 12 teams that, you know, the more teams you add, the more I think it would favor a group of five team, um, you know, especially some of these top teams that are in it uh, in the conversation year in and year out. But, you know, I don't know. I, we've talked a little bit about how we're going to do this, and I don't really know the best way to approach this. We don't want to talk about pros and cons of uh, expansion in general, or do you want to break it down scenario by scenario? Well, here's what I want to do. So for I just want to say for the record, so I, I went back at 2017 and 18 and plugged in all the different scenarios they were talking about to see how it would have affected UCF. And I've got to say, like, gut reaction for me, I, I've always been like, I guess just like I would totally be fine with them staying at four teams if just those four teams were picked properly. Um, but we've just gotten into this really, really kind of garbage era of college football. I mean, I'm a huge college football fan of the last few years. It's just the postseason is dying. It's like, it's just Alabama and Clemson every year. All the top recruits go to three programs because they know those are the only three programs that are going to win a national championship. The media attention around the playoff has sucked all interest out of the other bowls, even the New Year's six bowls. So when I was reading through these scenarios, I like, I'm, I'm not big on eight. I'm big on 12. I think 12 would be awesome. And we're going to go through these now, Bailey. I'd just like to get your reactions from how things would have looked under these different scenarios. So let's go back to 2017. For those of you who don't remember in 2017, UCF was good at football. Um, <laughs> they had all these guys. They were great. They're all in the NFL now. One of them is going to be in the NFL probably by the time you're listening to this podcast. Um, so 18 model in 2017, which what we're assuming that it sounds like what they've discussed in an 18 model would have been the five power five conferences. Their champions all have an auto bid the highest ranked group of five champion has an auto bid and then two at largest kind of like what the new Year's six bowls are like now, except that's all in the playoff, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So 2017, you would have gotten, here's your first here or not. Yeah. Here's your first round matchups. Oh, and the other thing, sorry, I, there's so many faucets of this to try to go over. The other thing is what we're looking at is probably for any scenario they consider the first round of games at least would be on campus. So these aren't bowl games. These are oh, on campus like games. I like that. So, I have a quick question for you. I don't ahead. know if this is even like laid out specifically, but the group of five champion, the highest ranked group of five champion, does that like, th- in terms of seeding, I guess you're going to go through this right now, but are you the sixth seed or can you still be the eight seed? If, if, is it just, is it matter? Like you get the top eight are, you know, the five power five champions, a group of five champion, and then two more, you know, how does the seeding work? Is there. So it sounds like what they've talked about is the seeding would just straight up be the college football playoff rankings. Okay. So yeah, the group of five team will in an eight team model, they'd almost certainly be the bottom seed just because they're never going to put a group of five team higher yeah. than eight. But it's not like they're locked into that, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, that's what so I'm talking about. So 2017, your first round matchups are number 12 UCF traveling to number one Clemson. UCF was number 12, so they'd act as the eight seed as the highest ranked group of five team. Okay. So you've got UCF playing at Clemson. You've got Auburn going to Oklahoma. That's number seven Auburn and number two Oklahoma. You've got number six Wisconsin traveling to Georgia. And you've got, this would have been a fun one, 2017. You got number five, Ohio State traveling to number four, Alabama. See, this all, this all sounds like so much fun. I don't know why anyone would be against expanding. Just, That's I don't the, know, just based you off think of this that is alone. Fun. You think this is fun? Wait till we get to 12 team. Yeah. I, and I um, but yeah, go ahead. Just that alone, it, it's so much more compelling than what we have now in terms of usually the semifinals for, you know, the playoff right now, are, they've been pretty bad games every year. And then the final, you know, this year's final wasn't that good. Last year's was pretty good. But, you know, we're kind of just, you know, you get what you get. But there's just so much more opportunity for, you know, 
crazy college football games, which is what we all want, right? It's not, we don't want the blowouts. We don't want, you know, a Michigan state to go into the final four and, and lose by 30 and everyone just hates watching it on whatever new year's Eve or whatever it was. Everybody just wants the excitement. And what you're getting now is not much excitement in the final four. And then the, even the, the new year six bowl games and the other bowl games, you know, those aren't as exciting either. Cause they don't mean anything. Everybody's opting out of them. They don't, they don't, I mean, it never had that much significance to begin with, but they're having less and less significance uh, as the years go on. And so why not, you know, have a better system, have a more expanded system and make these games mean more. It just, it, it would seem like it would make the, the sport fun again, more than it has been the last few years. Well, that's the problem that we've run into now. And I'm barely even talking about this from a UCF perspective, but just from a college football fan perspective is in the BCS model, when it was a two team championship game and that was it. Every bowl game meant a ton, like going to the Rose Bowl meant a ton, the Orange Bowl, like those were big games to play. Hell, like the Outback Bowl was yeah. exciting for teams, the Citrus Bowl, those were important games. And the problem is we've just got this vacuum now where nothing matters except making the playoff. Like that's the point we're moving into. I mean, you looked at like, it's even changed just from when UCF played Auburn, like Florida went to the Cotton Bowl, which is a very prestigious bowl. And like their entire team opted out. UNC went to the Orange Bowl, which UNC hasn't played in a major bowl in like decades. And they had a bunch of key guys opt out. It's like everything else in the playoff just doesn't matter anymore. So you've got to do something. And then you've got the playoff itself, which is Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state are head and shoulders above the rest of the sport. I don't think expanding the playoff changes that overnight. You're you, it, at the end of the day, you're just probably going to end up with Clemson, Alabama again in the national championship game, but at least you had some fun games along the way. Yeah. And over time, when recruits realize I don't have to be at one of those three schools to win a national championship, you can win a national championship anywhere. Then you can really see that talent start to smooth out and spread out and actually have more parity. Oh yeah. And that's, that's, I think the, the basis of why college football has gotten a little, I don't want to say it's stale because I still love college football, but it's just gotten, the product has gotten a little bit stale in the last few years because you know, what's happening at the end of the season, you know, who's going to be in it at the end. It was, I don't, I mean, I don't know. This is probably a bad example because those series were so much fun, but when the Cavs and the Warriors were playing in the finals every year, you know, I think to me, it got old that, you know, eventually I, I think, again, that's a bad example because they were pretty fun series. But, you know, it's, it's just takes all meaning out of the regular season. It takes all meaning out of all the other teams because there's these two teams that, you know, are going to be in the finals. And if you're giving chances to other teams to, you know, have some upsets here and there and, you know, spreading out the parity a little bit and, and potentially getting a, a fresh matchup, you know, that's what we all want. I think that's what most people want. Maybe not, you know, the Alabamas and the Clemsons, but that's what we all want. Which, speaking of fun matchups, this is, I'm going to jump to 12 teams now. Okay. Which is apparently the leading model right now, which that doesn't mean that's what we're going to get. There's still a, a, probably a year or more or so of discussion here before they sell anything, but 12 teams. I'd always been like 12 teams is too many. So I just want to preface this really quickly because 12 is where I feel like you're going to get to the point where the regular season stops mattering. That's always what people said. Mm-hmm. Or like bulls don't matter, which we just talked about. Bulls don't matter anyway. The thing about, I think it's actually the, the reverse because in a 12 team model, you have the added sort of, whatever you want to call it, surprise type or not surprise type thing. I don't know what I'm trying to say. The added interesting angle of the top four seeds are very important because those are the teams that get a buy. Mm-hmm. So that makes the regular season incredibly important. I mean, we've talked about how conference title games have just sort of stopped mattering for most teams like Notre Dame Clemson this year. That in the BCS era would have been a huge game. And it's just like both these teams are probably going to the playoff regardless of what happens. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like in a four team model. So it's like, who cares? When you're playing in a, in a 12 team model, the, both those teams are playing for a bye game. That's a huge reason to win that game. And then you'll always have you, every year. And then you've got like the Pac-12, which their conference town game hasn't mattered in like a decade. 
you've got both those teams are fighting to get in the playoffs. So suddenly making a conference title game matters a ton and the regular season matters a ton because sure, Alabama is always going to make a 12 team model. There's those type of teams that will always be in if it's 12, but there it's the difference between a buy game and not a buy game. And maybe you haven't even gone the road in that first round. Mm-hmm. So it dramatic, I think it's the actual opposite where it makes the regular season matter a lot more. It matters in a different way. It's not going to be like the BCS era where we have those games where a team loses once and they're out, but th- that era is gone anyway. We're not in that now. We, I, Clemson lost to freaking Syracuse a few years ago <laughs> and it just didn't matter. So I want to run you for 2017, what a 12 team model would have looked like. Okay. Here are your buy teams. Clemson gets a buy, Oklahoma gets a buy, Georgia and Alabama get buys. Those are your top four seeds. They're not playing in the first round. So here are your first round matchups. Number nine, Penn State going on the road to number eight, USC. Number 12, UCF going on the road to number five, Ohio State. Ooh. Number 10, Miami playing at number seven, Auburn. Number 11, Washington playing at number six, Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's... Like you said, once we got to 12, it got even more intriguing. And something that just kind of stuck out to me, and I'm one of, you know, I, I don't like Miami at all. But <laughs> Miami being involved, I think it just is another, I think it would be good for college football. And so Look that's at these the brands. You've got USC, yeah. Penn State, and Miami in a playoff. Yeah. And so you've got you've got all these brands back in it. And I think it's it's fun for the sport. I think it's just right now you're not, you're not going to see a Miami get into the final four because they're, they're never, they haven't been, you know, they haven't been able to finish in the season, the seasons, you know, they've been good enough to be in the conversation during the season, but yeah. in that, in that season, yeah, they lost late, but to still have a chance to be in the playoff and still, you know, I don't know, to still have a fresh matchup, a good matchup that means a lot, it would be good for the sport. And more so than that, you look at, one of the big things we've taught that's been a big problem in college football is how regional the sport has become where it's like, if you're not in the Southeast, do you even have a chance? Yeah. And I mean, look at that field. You've got, you've got teams from Washington, from California, from Pennsylvania, from Ohio, from Wisconsin, from Georgia, from Florida. I mean, you've got teams from everywhere, like the whole country's represented. And the other thing you get by removing those top four seeds, which are usually the two to three teams that just beat up on everyone, Alabama, Clemson, is you get these freaking competitive games. Those would be good games. USC and Penn State actually did play that year. We yeah. saw how good that game was. Oh my gosh. Auburn and Miami would have been really competitive. UCF absolutely could have beat Ohio State that year. Uh, Washington, Wisconsin would be fun. I mean, you just get fun games. So you get at bare minimum, you get this first round of games that are just so much fun. And from a group of five perspective, it makes the group of five bit way more interesting because unlike an 18 model, the group of five team doesn't have to start against Alabama for Clemson they get a winnable game it just makes everything so much more interesting well and you think about like I talked about the fresh matchups like these are these are games that may never happen otherwise like when is when is UCF going to get a chance to go on the road to play Ohio State again like other than in in this kind of setting and and that's that's the cool thing I think too about these first round matchups being on campus is that you know it gives it gives fan bases fun trips it gives the the student athletes fun trips and it just, it creates for more excitement around, you know, and, and that's the thing there's, you can call it a 14 playoff, but it's such a arbitrary way to decide a champion and in, in this amazing sport, you know, for them to have such a flawed, a flawed system to determine a national champion is really sad because it's college football, I think is for my money, the, the best sport in America. And it, it's, it's it the most excitement. Is. Yeah, it's the most excitement. It's just the, the most passion from fan bases. It's it's just different. It's different from from anything else at the professional level. But to have it kind of watered down here at the end where it's just 
you know, these same four teams or the same, the same general teams in the year. It just is a, is a boring way to end the season. And it's usually a really fun season that just kind of ends the same way you kind of expected it to. That's the thing is it just ends flat now. It's like, we still have this really fun season. And it just ends flat. And I mean, moving into the 12 team model here, the other thing, there's a lot of points I want to make and I'm, I'm just trying to like keep my head straight. Cause there's yeah. so many, this is so many avenues, but one thing I want to say really quickly before I make some more points about how a 12 team model would affect the sport as a whole. I want to give you 2018 okay. because 2018 is interesting because UCF would have hosted a first round game. Mm. Can you imagine the crowd in the bounce house for a playoff game? Overflowing. I mean, come on. So 2018, your buys would have been Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. So those are the teams that obviously actually made the playoff. Your first round matchups are number nine, Washington travels to number eight, UCF. UCF hosts Washington, which they absolutely would have beaten in 2018. Yeah. Daryl McCormick, Kenzie Milton. Uh, Penn State goes to Georgia. Florida goes to Michigan. And LSU goes to Ohio State. We just really couldn't avoid that Florida Michigan matchup again. You know, I was so annoyed when I saw that. Like, I'm like, it's, is, the, is, is this like a, is this God's thing? It's, he just wants those destiny. two teams to play. Cause I'm looking at these matchups. And I'm like, oh, that would be so fun. Oh, that was so bad. Oh, well, okay. That's Michigan. Florida. Yeah, I don't watch that. There's that one again. But, um, and really quickly, I just want to give you, uh, unless you had something to say about UCF, I just want to give you this past year and we can talk about it just since that's the most recent. No, just in general. I mean, the, the idea, because when you said, imagine the crowd at the bounce house for a playoff game, like just the thought of like play, a playoff game, because right now I, I don't think of the playoff as like the playoffs. I just think of it as like right. the, you know, the final four or whatever. But like when you think of it, an actual like eight or 12 team or 10 team system, those are actual playoffs. And that's where it, it can be so much more fun than it is right now. And every single team in the country at the start of the season legitimately has a path. If you're yeah. San Jose state, you have a path. I mean, any team, it's mm -hmm. just, it. and, and we'll get into it after this, but yes, that's going to kill bulls. I, I, it is. And you know, it's just one of those things where bulls are already dying. Yeah, so they I was can just either die say, and have an inclusive playoff or die with an exclusive playoff. Bulls are already <laughs> dead anyway. So, and you'll still have, I mean, all these group of five bulls, the ones you see have the most time these made for TV bulls that, ESPN doesn't give a crap if anyone's in attendance. They're just going to air them for programming in December. Those yeah. aren't going anywhere. People are going to watch football. Football's on TV. Oh, yeah. And and I don't think the New Year's Six Bowls are going anywhere. I think they'll be folded into this format somewhat. I think Rose and Sugar will probably end up becoming the semifinals, mm -hmm. which that would be pretty cool. You win a couple of playoff games, you go to the Rose Bowl. I mean, yeah. Um, we'll see where Cotton and Peach land because they got elevated in this new system. They might go back to just being regular Bowls. I think Orange will be in there somewhere. But I think the – and the athletic point is out, and I feel like they were spot on the bowls that are in trouble to me that will like probably not exist within a few years are like the outback bowls and citrus bowls, like that level of bowls, the bowls just outside the ma major ones. Mm -hmm. Cause those are just not going to matter anymore. I mean, a, a power five team that just missed the playoff is not going to care about yeah. going to the citrus bowl. I mean, players are gonna have to out whatever. So those, and, and the bigger thing is those bowls don't exist to be television events. They exist to get fans to travel. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I think the days of, uh, 30,000 Auburn fans descending upon Tampa for an Outback Bowl appearance when if just that one game had gone differently, they'd be hosting a playoff game right now. I, I don't think that's a situation that happens anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, it, it's, it's difficult because I think there's cer certain fan bases that could still work just because there's, I mean, this is using Tampa as an example. There are a lot of alums from a lot of SEC schools in Tampa, I feel like. So right. if it lined up perfectly, yeah, like there would be more of a crowd there, but yeah, I think you're right where, even I think what was it 2014 what was it, it was the start of 2014 is the 2013 season when LSU played Iowa in the Outback Bowl 
granted it was a rainy day but still not that many fans showed up from either side i mean it was it was not you know the the crowds the old outback bowl crowds i think i saw one when i was a kid when it was florida i guess this is a bad example because it was florida but florida and penn state played and that place was packed and yeah just, I, I, yeah i mean bulls, are will, bulls aren't gonna die like like i said it's like and we we've talked about this like i i was kind of shocked to realize you remember ucf playing in the gasparilla bowl yeah that already like did you see like we didn't really care about that game like it was it was nice like whatever we were gonna go beat up on marshall and it was a nice confidence boost it was a nice thing for fans travel to but it didn't really like it wasn't some big event like it might have been 10 years ago no and that's fine if that's what bulls are because as long as you have a playoff where teams can legitimately get into it and there are programs where bulls are still going to matter i mean that the gasper level didn't matter a ton for ucf because ucf's moved on to bigger and better things but like Programs like, I don't know, like even in the American, like Tulane or Navy, like those are teams that are still going to value the bowl games they go to. It's just going to be a scaled thing. And that's well, even for Marshall, I mean, they got the chance to go to that bowl game and play a UCF. So they're going to be they're going to be programs that, you know, will take bowls seriously, especially if they're playing, you know, bigger, bigger, perceived bigger programs, even if those programs may not care, whatever. You know, it's still it's still a chance for, you know, the players to to have a cool experience at a bowl game play against a, a you know a bigger team and get have a chance to, to finish their season strong so that's the thing you made a good point too that if football's on tv in december and it's college football people are still going to watch it you know i still i watch i don't know how many bowl games a year i watch but even with opt-outs even with you know some teams maybe not caring not taking it as seriously as you know maybe you would like it's still it's still college football and a lot of people are still going to watch it yeah just because it means less doesn't mean it doesn't have to happen like yeah the, the Gasparilla, but that, that was the, actually, I got, I got sidetracked. The point I want to make because I was surprised to realize so that bowl game was watched by 1.2 million people, which mm. is like, that was like, it was like headlines for like one of the lowest rated Gasparilla bowls ever. That still beats like any NBA primetime game in ratings. That's insane. like yeah. football's just so freaking popular. So yeah, I mean, bowl games aren't going to be these big prestigious things they used to be, but they're still going to be fun. And honestly, I don't think that's the worst thing. If, if that's the evolution that takes on that for a bowl game is a thing where you finish up your season, the players go have this cool vacation. They go play a game. The players go in the NFL. Don't participate because they don't want to risk injury. If that's what bulls are, that's fine. And then all the, because if you're up to 12 teams, all the elite exciting storylines are in the playoff anyway. So you don't need all these non, I mean, it, once we got to 40 bowls, what were we doing anyway? Yeah. No, that's because the, these days, like we were talking about the Outback bowl and how much like the Outback bowl and citrus bowl have diminished in value. Those bowls are just about the same as literally like any, I don't know, you can name any other one that that's out there right now. Like say the Fenway bowl, which I guess is a newer bowl that still hasn't happened yet. Has hasn't it played a game? Yet. Um, but still like, it's, it's just about the same. Cause it's like, all right, these, you know, these teams aren't in the playoff. It doesn't really matter. And players are going to opt out cause they don't care, but it's, yeah, those are about the same now. So it, the, the value is diminishing anyway. Like you said, you know, why not diminish, keep diminishing it, but have a, a better system to, to determine a champion. And can you imagine just how fun conference championship weekend will be when every day, every team in a conference title game is either playing for a bye or playing to get into the playoff. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be fun. But so on that note, so really quickly before we, cause there's another, there's another big top topic that of expansion effects that I know that I was reading the athletic they're dealing with, but I just wanted to give you the 2020 season, the 12 team. Okay. Level. Yeah. So just cause that's the most recent one. I know these are the teams we're familiar with. I know when I'm saying it from a few years back, you're kind of like, yeah, it's a brand, but I don't really remember what they did that year. <laughs> so 2020, your buy teams are the same as every freaking year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, and Notre Dame. Those are your teams getting a buy. Um, first round. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite one, Georgia, Cincinnati, but Georgia would be traveling to Cincinnati. That would have been a Cincinnati home game. Been a little bit different. I think. 
Um, <laughs> oh, the Pac-12. Number 25, Oregon, <laughs> will travel to number five, Texas A&M. Weren't they four and two or something like that? They were. They finished the year four and three. Worst <laughs> winning percentage ever for a New Year's 16. Goodness so gracious. number 25, Oregon, would be traveling to and getting killed by Texas A&M. Uh, number 10, Iowa State travels to number seven, Florida. And uh, number 11, number 11, Indiana goes to number six, Oklahoma. And a really interesting one that is another thing for group of five teams, the 12 team model, if it were not for 25, Oregon, Coastal Carolina at number 12 could have been that last team. We could be talking about an era where multiple group of five teams could be in the playoff. Yeah. And what's so cool to me, too, is just in general, even having Oregon in there, like having Oregon back in the playoffs having indiana make the playoffs like crying indiana playoffs. and iowa state who are two nobodies yeah. but in a 12 team system they get a shot yeah and that's just cool to me and, and and i think too like you said the georgia going to cincinnati i think that game is different because you know nippert stadium has become quite the atmosphere and it, you I gotta think, think it's worth a field goal right <laughs> yeah you would think and it's it's just like again it's it's these matchups that may never never take place otherwise on campuses you know when when else is Georgia going to go to Cincinnati, you know, f- to the two Cincinnati, like to Cincinnati's campus and play at Nippert Stadium? They're not. That's never going to happen. Yeah. And, and and I just I feel like because I know that the big hold up older college football fans, which first off, this has happened constantly back in the 90s when college football decided it was going to have a national championship game. People were angry. They were like, no, this is wrong. There shouldn't. <laughs> why is it? Blah, blah, blah. Then. Uh, you go from BCS to the playoff. People are like, how is this going to work? How is anything going to matter if there's four? It's like, so people are always going to, and now the the big thing people keep banging on is regular season won't matter. Regular season won't matter. The regular season as in its current form already does not matter for the teams making the playoff. Alabama can probably lose twice and still make a playoff. It's just like, I I mean, so this notion that it would be bad for the regular season that every region of the country is equally involved and that you'll have this double layer of games where, yeah, there are teams that are going to go into the season being like, we know we're in the playoff, but they still have to fight for that bye game. And one loss can change that. And then you've got all these other teams, all these games that right now in a 14 model don't freaking matter. No one cares about nine and three Utah taking on 10 and two Oregon, except when they're deciding who gets the final playoff spot. Yeah. I don't get how that, I don't get how that negatively impacts the regular season. I only see that enhancing it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, I think it positively influences it because if you think about it, if there's say there's an SEC team that loses a game or two early and, you know, normally in the, the, under the normal format right now, you know, they're out of the playoff. They're just trying to win the SEC, but they're not going to go to the playoff regardless. Well, they still have a chance. If if they lose a couple games early, they still have that track to get back win the SEC and get into the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Early on, like even so early on losses, early season losses, you still have a path back because you can still try to win your conference. And it makes it makes the the trek to get to the conference championship game so much more important. And it and honestly, because I think it makes non-conference games more. I feel it makes everything more important, which science sounds backwards, because if you're one of those teams that's looking for that at large spot and you didn't make a conference title game, they're going to look at your non-conference games. Yeah. So if you played, you know, Wagner. <laughs> or whoever but the, okay so that's the next that's the next big thing i want to get citadel citadel shout out to usf <laughs> to be the best um uh so the other thing that we'll have to change obviously is so in a 12 team model you have a decent chance of a team playing 17 games 12 game regular season conference mm-hmm. title game first round second round so on and so forth 17 games so the one thing that the athletics said that it sounds like is that the regular season is going to have to get shorter could you i mean i don't know 10 games, 11 games is what it looks like. But I, so I originally was like, so that's just cutting one game. Then you're cutting 
thing one game because then you would never have a team play more than 16. It would only be two teams in the nation would play 16. Yeah. Um, you're cutting the game like you're most likely in UCF's case cutting either the other group of five they always play or the FCS team they play. So here's the problem with that. Uh, yes. And that's going to, that's going to be the biggest impact I think of this era, because the, I don't think people realize the entire division of football that is FCS is essentially funded off those buy games. Like that's where their departments get funded. Mm-hmm. So removing those could kill FCS. Like I legitimately don't know what happens to those programs. Um, there's a lot of group of five teams that still rely on buy games. UCF is well past that, but there was a time where UCF had to do that to get by. There are teams in UCF's conference that have to do that to get by. Right. So that's alarming to me. Um, but it sounds like the model that they've talked about going with is actually, I think, pretty ingenious. And it's not going to help the problems I just talked about. But it's basically every team will still play 12 games. And the way it works is the model that the Big Ten actually moved to this past season because of the playoff. And it's the model that every team plays 11 games. And then on conference championship weekend, in a given conference, number one and number two play each other for the conference championship. And then all the other teams play each other through their divisions, like number two in the East and number two in the West play each other, number three in the East, number three in the West play each other, and so on and so forth. And that's that weekend where every team gets their 12th game. So you're still selling the same season ticket packages, making the same money, Mm, but it's just set up in a way that no one's going into the playoff with more than 12 games played, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yeah. Which I think that'd be cool. I like that. Yeah, for sure. I, I, um, I looked, yeah, I looked, I actually, I looked it up earlier and I lost it because I was, so it would be a little wonky for the American right now because they only have 11 teams. So Mm -hmm. I guess it would just be like the last team. Sorry, go schedule an (laughs) FCS. So 2019, that would have been, so Cincinnati and Memphis would have played each other for the conference title as they did that year. UCF would have played Navy. UCF would have hosted Navy. Um, Temple would have played SMU. USF would have played Tulane. You actually don't get a lot of repeat games actually when you're divided by division two. So it's kind of fun too, just because, you don't like it's like that's element of surprise. Like you don't really know at the beginning of the season, you don't know who we're gonna, you're going to get in that last game. That, no, that, could like, be that's that's the way it is, right? And think about it for the teams that are in that that are going to those games five and six. You know, yeah, and they're going to be playing each other. So suddenly it's like that's a big that's that, like yeah, a, those games mean more again. Yeah, it's just I just it, it's one of these things where like I mean we like we we both feel the same way. Like I I passionately love college football. I don't think there's a sport in this country that even comes close to matching it for fan enthusiasm for pageantry for just excitement and for traditions all that stuff traditions it's just you have so much more of just a deep connection to a school where you spent four years of your life where you made your friends where you started your career versus like a pro team where especially when pro teams like will move in and out of cities and it's, (laughs) it's just it's just a completely different level of fandom and i love college football and it does suck that these last few years it's just lost a lot of excitement and everything i say about this 12 team format i love all of it yeah i I mean i just i love all of it well that's the thing like you can't you hope that's where you you hope that it happens you hope that like have these conversations and are able to get something over the line with this because it seems like so it just seems so obvious and it seemed obvious for years now that doing this would inject some more life into the sport but you know all the money involved conferences you know wanting their wanting their insured money whatever it is like when you get this much uh, money and this much like these many different people into a situation like this there's going to be some problems oh what about this what about this you just have to hope that at the end of the day they're going to come together and agree on a new system that makes sense that's fun for the, the players it gives you know every program a chance and that gives the fans something even a even a team like that's the thing for me i think this past season i didn't i don't think i watched the national championship game i want to watch like a quarter of it but it was just like, I just didn't care. It didn't matter. But because it was the same two teams that, you know, were always in it, 
And I was just like, I don't want either of these teams to win, whatever. But, you know, you can get a casual fan, even if their team's not in the playoff, you have these matchups that people are going to tune in for regardless. And that's where I think the sport, the sport lately has fallen away from that because there's all these repeat matchups and you're not getting really any, any new games between interesting teams. It's just the same, same old stuff. So, and like I said, the yeah. first few years, it, it's probably going to be, you'll get to the national championship weekend and it's Clemson and Alabama again, but at least you got some fun games along the way. I mean, is that such a bad thing? And I still think that as time goes on, I mean, you look at like, like the PAC 12 is just dying right now. And part of it is any recruit from the West coast. They're not staying on the West coast. PAC 12 is not the national title picture. When recruits realize they can stay home and still try to play for national championship, recruiting is going to smooth out. It's never going to be like Alabama, Clemson and Iowa state are always going to get a bunch of top guys. They're always going to have great classes, but we're at the point where they literally just get every important player in the country. (laughs) And even just a few of those guys, a few five-star guys here and there staying home really rebalances the sport. Yeah, it it does. And I I think, like you said, it just takes a few years, I think, for things to balance out and for everybody to get adjusted. Because, yeah, I think it would have a huge impact on recruiting, which we've kind of touched on here and there. But, you know, I think in terms of, the power five level, you know, it, it affects recruiting. I think it helped the, the PAC 12. It would help some teams maybe in the big 12, but then if you look at the group of five level, you know, I think, I don't know. There's, there's the, my part of me that thinks, you know, the top group of five teams, UCF, Cincinnati, Memphis, Boise state, and people that I'm probably forgetting about now. Um, they're just going to kill off a lot of the lower group of five teams, because, you know, if you're going to want to stay, or if you're going to stay in the group of five, or you want to play in the group of five, stay home, and play for a program like that, you know, to, to go to the championship, you know, you're not going to go to a small group of five team that really, yeah, they have a chance like mathematically and in terms of just logistically, they have a chance, but they're not going to get anywhere near it. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? I mean, like, I mean maybe, but look at this past year. I mean, if since if Cincinnati messes up in one spot and d- coastal Carolina, coastal, would, yeah. I, I look at a few years ago, Western Michigan went undefeated through the regular season and ended up in a near six. They would have been in a playoff. Yeah. Right, so, so I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I think this is the one model where like, no, every team is not going to make the playoff. That's just not going to happen. You're still going to have it. Most years of those 12 spots, probably seven or eight of them are going to the same teams, mm-hmm. but at least every fan base starts the year with, you know, if things broke, right. It's, it, it, there's no, it, there aren't guys in a room deciding it for us anymore. We can go on the field and decide it for yeah. ourselves. And I think that counts for a lot. Well, that's been the big problem with this whole thing. And going back to 2017, it was, you know, yeah, everybody says, oh, UCF doesn't have a real national championship. Well, they didn't get a chance to actually go out and, and play for one. You know, they didn't get a chance to, to be in the playoff and, and prove that they were worthy of the national championship. So, you know, just giving, giving it a, a system where things can get decided on the field, you know, that's what we all want. And I think the 12-team, as we're kind of talking through this, the 12-team just sounds like the most fun, the most fair just like the best idea and and you know for it to be something that are actually actively discussing and potentially wanting to implement within a couple of years that's <laughs> that's exciting to me which their point the the people who spoke to the athletic from the committee their point was anonymously of course because they were like how can you jump from four to eight and they made a good point where they were like listen the second we jump to eight it's just going to be well when are you going to 12 or yeah. 10 and it's like they don't want it, they're going to have to completely redefine the bowl system here and basically the structure of college football. They're not going to do that just if they have to do it again in a few years. So you might right. as well just jump to the higher number. And what conference isn't on board? The group of five is on all the group of five conferences are on board because they finally have a seat at the table. The Pac-12 is on board because they're like, whoa, wait a minute, we could be relevant again. <laughs> the Big 12 is on board because at some point Oklahoma is not going <laughs> to. 
uh, keep bailing them out. ACC's on board because at some point Clemson's not going to keep bailing them out. And the SEC and Big Ten are looking at this like, dang, we can get like four or five teams in here. Yeah. So everyone's on board. There's no, tan- there's no like part of college football decision makers other than the people who run the bowls that are like, this is a bad idea. Right. And then if you think about even like the top level teams where you're like, oh, why would, why would we want to have, you know, these, these extra games or these, you know, have to play more teams to win a championship. It's just like, well, what about the opportunity to have another home game? All the revenue that comes in from that. Exactly. Alabama is fine with playing a couple extra games on the way when those games are at a Bryant Denny stadium. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that is, but yeah, no, I get these, even the top teams that are, that are not, you know, getting the buys every year, they're going to have an extra home game. They're going to love the money that comes in from that, especially those bigger ones that have like hundred thousand seat stadiums that they're going to sell out for a playoff game. Imagine how much you can charge for how how many people are going to buy season tickets when season ticket holders have like first dib on playoff seats. Yeah. Like the UCF get, cause uh, like we talked about, my wallet just started crying. Cause I feel like at that point, (laughs) tickets, season tickets would go way up. I mean, you, you take this model back to when the AAC formed in 2013, that's what, eight years ago. Yeah. UCF would have made three playoffs in eight years in a 12 team format. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, the, it, and like I said, that's the other reason I know we're being a little selfish from UCF perspective because there are teams that this is going to benefit somewhat programs like UCF. This is going to benefit a lot. I mean, this is big news for UCF that everything Malzahn's talked about. If he re- like the idea that Malzahn can, I mean, we're talking about 2023. That's not that far away. Like that two years from now, UCF yeah. could be gearing up for a playoff run that they can play into. They don't have to have anyone tell them they're good enough. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. And don't tell me that Malzahn's not going to be telling that to recruits. I mean, well, as soon look, as at, this look at what they're doing thing, already. They're already yeah. talking to these four and five star recruits trying to get in their ears and say, all right, come, you know, come make history here, come here. And, you know, <laughs> they're even already giving themselves a chance to get those guys now. But if this is, if this comes to fruition and there's, an actual system where UCF has a way forward to play play for a championship on the field. You know, you don't think some of those four or five-star guys, you know, are going to be like, oh, yeah, let me go. You know, Orlando is a great place to be. That's a program, a young program. It's a, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun, um, you know, in terms of what they're doing. It's a forward-thinking program. Yeah, let me go do that. And you have a chance, to, you know. So I think, I think it's recruiting, you know, selfishly for UCF. I think you would start to see four and five-star guys, you know, regular, regularly decide to come here. Yeah, I mean, it, when you look at proximity to talent, fan base size and enthusiasm, I mean, finances, like no group of five teams stands to gain more from any form of expansion than UCF. I right. mean, it, it having that path and being, because that's the only thing missing here. I mean, the, there's so many talented guys here and we see that in the transfer portal. I think another school that's not super relevant right now, but, and you all can uh, send me this podcast when I'm right in like five years is, I think if this 12 team model comes to fruition, I think, especially with all the NIL stuff going on, I think SMU could go back to like 80s SMU. Yeah. I mean, no, Dallas no. is just talent rich as hell. <laughs> I don't disagree. And I, they, I mean, it's really like, I really think the big three from the group of five could very quickly become UCF, Cincinnati, and SMU. I mean, those teams are, and maybe Houston if they have yeah, to Houston together. could come back at that point. Well, too. Houston, the issue is like LSU really uh, yeah, they do gets in there Houston too. I, not to mention all the other Texas school. Like, there's just a lot of competition for that talent uh, versus which. There is in Orlando too, obviously, because UCF is surrounded by Miami, Florida State, and uh, there's another one in there, Florida. Florida, yeah. Um, wow, <laughs> I, I can't believe of those three. The best Florida's of those three. I mean. <laughs> but it's just there's a lot more talent to go around than Houston when you're pretty much dealing with one city when UCF's dealing with a whole state. Um, but either way, I just there are a lot of group of five teams that could rise up and become legitimate powers, which has just never been a thing in this sport. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know how much you have left, but one thing that I just want to go back to that you said was 
you know, if this whole thing had started, just just say it started back when the AAC was formed and UCF had made three playoffs in eight years, I, <laughs> the bounce house would have already been expanded. I think. Oh, it would be. A I think we're already season, like it's nothing. Yeah. yeah. So just and how, how Scott, Scott Frost would still be the coach here, probably. <laughs> yeah. How different this like this kind of thing would make you know, make life for UCF, but also a lot of other programs, you know, how much transition, how much change for the better that it could cause would be, would be really fun to watch. Cause the other thing that UCF fans don't want to hear, and I'm sorry guys, but it's true is UCF's one of these programs where a lot of people in the fan base are just kind of banking on, well, not, not playoff expansion, but conference expansion. Like yeah. this is fine for now, but once we get into the big 12, once we in the ACC, I, I don't know if expansion is coming. I just don't. It, it, it's The environment is nothing like what it was in the last round of realignment. Cable footprint doesn't matter at all anymore. That was UCF's biggest advantage. Yeah. Um, Like for the Big 12, why should the Big 12 expand? Like what is their motivation to expand? Yeah, I don't see one right now. And that's the thing is if <laughs> if this is a, a thing that gives group of five teams a chance, you know, to play for the playoff, you don't necessarily need to bank on expansion. You know, you no, don't need to bank listen, on conference expansion. Power five teams, those conferences still just make ridiculously more money. Yeah. And that's a big thing. I mean, UCF from facilities to everything. I mean, it's money, 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 money. But if UCF had made three play three playoffs in the last eight years, they'd have a heck of a lot more money than they do right now. Yeah. And if the AAC, which you look at them with their group of five bid, they I mean, they've sent a team to a major bowl, which in this 12 team model that would have been sending teams to the playoff in 2013, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. If those teams aren't playing New Year's six games, but playoff games, and more than a few of them would have won those first round games in the 12 team model, that is a conference that demands a much higher TV contract yeah. than the one it has right now. No, it is. It would it would really shift a lot of of what college football is right now, and I I do I hope to see it soon because you know again I think a lot of stuff we talked about on this podcast is like we kind of start to think with these hypotheticals, and I get like all hyper and excited about them. I really want this one to come to come true and to really be you know the way forward for college football. Yeah, and listen, I didn't just walk in here and say, guys, wouldn't a twelve team be fun? This is all based yeah. on what they're actually talking about. They're legitimately talking about twelve teams in twenty twenty three. That doesn't mean it'll happen because they might all get together and then be like, actually, wait, we want 16 or we want six. You just don't know. Yeah. But I just, I always would have thought anything more than eight would have been impossible. And frankly, I would have thought it'd been too much. And it wasn't until he started looking into and reading about what they're considering this 12 team model that I'm like, man, this just feels like the way to go. It just feels like it would be so much fun and keep everyone involved and really make games matter again. Yeah. And, and you know, when you lay it out, it, it just, it does. It seems like the best, the pa- best path forward, and, you know, I, I hope we can we can see something like this um, actually, you know, come come true in the future and see these games on the field rather than in my head, because right now I'm already, you know, <laughs> playing these matchups in my head. And it, it's it's really exciting, but it would be more exciting to see it on the field. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I really, really think it would be cool. But um, we're going to shift gears a little bit really quickly um, because we're recording this on Thursday night. The NFL draft is in about an hour and a half almost. Um, we're just going to have a quick little congratulations to Richie Grant on being selected (laughs) in the first round speaking into existence. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we can speak it into existence. Um, maybe to the bucks at 32, please. And congrats to Jacob Harris on sneaking in (laughs) first round. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't go that far, but we're going to just talk quickly, uh, uh, which about which nights have gone on to have the best careers in the NFL. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about who's the best all time and, and a little bit of just spotlighting some guys that are, um, playing really well right now from UCF, but, all time and Christian, we can break it down really quickly just because there's not a ton to, to get through. But, you know, we, we both kind of agreed on the same three, right? It wasn't even a discussion. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can list it if you want. Yeah. That's why it's so quick. I think it's just, it's um, Dante Culpepper, it's Matt Prater, and it's Brandon Marshall. I kind of went in a weird order there. Um, was trying to you rattle did. off my head. I like that you put Matt Prater in the middle. I don't know why. But... <laughs> I don't, yeah. That's, that's where I was kind of feeling weird about it. But, well, Kevin Smith had a pretty good career, didn't he? Who? You cut out for a second. Kevin Smith. Uh, yeah. I think he did, didn't he? Or am I just, I don't think it was like. That up? super amazing not on the same it level was nothing like three. it was nothing like what he did in um college yeah college i don't th- i don't think he was in the nfl for a few years yeah boy yeah it's he, funny. he was in he was in the nfl uh 2008 2012 oh i guess another one asante samuel had a had a good one yeah asante samuel would have been a good one i it, to me it's just like honestly i'm just gonna flat say i think it's brandon marshall right i mean he yeah. had a ridiculously long career and was like really successful for a yeah. long time i don't know how many I mean, pro and, bowls he had but I, he was yeah. a, really one of the one of the better receivers in the league and he kind which of still goes under under the radar which because he really just i mean he really just had the one good season at ucf i mean he was not like a four-year guy it was 2005 yeah. that he really popped off and had that great year as ucf played for a conference title for the first time ever um he had he had that year he had 1195 yards and 11 touchdowns uh yeah. on 74 receptions i mean that, that yeah that was a good year but uh, i mean other than that it, it wasn't much so it's kind of funny that you just can never tell who's gonna well yeah go we, I mean, we don't need to speak dominate. about you know the the big moment of matt prater's ucf career and then what he's gone on to do in the nfl i mean that same been, season that yeah. same season yeah he's I been mean, unbelievable in the nfl for a very long time now and his yeah. defining moment at ucf unfortunately was Really, really uh, not great. For those of you who don't know, it was Matt Prater was in the uh, 2005 Hawaii Bowl where UCF went to. I think they were in overtime, weren't they? I think so. And uh, they, uh, Matt Prater, it was just a PAT. UCF had scored in the overtime. And yep, and Matt Prater lined up to take the PAT and just missed it. UCF <laughs> lost 49 to 48. Who like just what a. The career I, I, that he would go on to have. Yeah, off of that. Because also like kicking is a mental game, man. We've seen kickers just get totally derailed. And for him to come back from like that horrible moment which yeah. happens like I, I, oh, of course, you know, and to just have this astounding decade plus long career is something. Yeah. And that's, yeah. But I think it's between those three guys. I would agree that I think Brandon Marshall probably is at the top of the list, but you know, the other, the other few that we mentioned are, are right alongside him, you know, pretty close behind. And in terms of current day, who would you say right now is having the best career? I mean, other than me, Blake Bortles, <laughs> poor Blake Bortles, um, the highest traffic in UCF history though. Um, he'll always now, have that. We'll see where Richie Grant goes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's got to be. Is it Gabe Davis already? I get, yeah. I mean, I guess. And now that I'm thinking about it, Trey. I mean, Traquan's been good, but not as. Not, yeah. Gabe just had a heck of a rookie year. Mike Hughes has just been injury issues. Yeah. Shaquille's been really good. Yeah, that's another. Um, that's one I was going to mention. Shaquille. Yeah, um, and I and I like we talked about this last week, but I think Richie's going to plug in right away. I think he's going to be great from the start. I feel like I'm missing someone. What was the guy uh, that played offensive line that played for a really long time and just recently, I think, retired? Uh, I'm already forgetting his name, and I feel really bad about it. Wow. Um, well, shout out to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he played for the Packers, but I don't I'm, – I'm losing his name. But, yeah, I think he's one that had a really long career. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think right now I think it's it's Gabe Davis because Traquan hasn't really carved out that role for himself just yet but you know from from not day one but from year one Gabe Davis has come in and and been a big part of the Bills offense already which that was like the least surprising thing ever like I didn't understand why uh Gabe like I understood because people just don't do their research but like when Gabe Davis was falling 
in the draft last year, falling, falling, not getting picked. Everyone's just kind of like, whatever, whoever gets him, it's going to be, it's mm-hmm. going to be a steal. And that's exactly what happened. Josh Sitton. That's who, who the name was. I was stalling go. for time there and then trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, and also right now, Latavius Murray, he's had a good career for himself too. There's some guys that, that I just wow, kind of we're just, slipped man, my mind. Put a lot of guys in the NFL. Rashad <laughs> like Perriman's had a decent through. career. Yeah. Perriman's been around for a while now too. Yeah. And, it, it's been, it, I, it, that's I'm actually kind of glad we had this conversation because it's not it, when we first started, it was like, yeah, there's just a couple guys, but when you actually think about it. It's like, no, you have a lot yeah, of guys. Hey, recruits, doing, listen up. They're doing pretty well for themselves. Even if, if we're, they're slipping our minds in the moment, but yeah, I, I, they've got a lot and we'll see where everybody goes. That's why I'm, I'm really excited about this weekend just because I've got a lot of coverage myself and writing to do for, for the bucks, but kind of seeing where these UCF guys end up is going to be one of the highlights of my weekend as well. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to not be watching the draft tonight because I have plans. But um, again, congratulations to Richie Grant on being selected <laughs> in the first round. Sure thing. Uh, we'll go ahead. We'll move in and wrap up with a new section um, real quick. And football, speaking with the Orlando Touchdown Club earlier this week, Gus Malzahn said he sees UCF as his final stop uh, of his coaching career, not necessarily a stepping stone, and said that his plan is to coach here for eight to 10 years and then decide whether he wants to retire. So I think Mike Bianchi from the Orlando Sentinel said that he reiterated that like, two or three times to the crowd there. So which I'm going to uh, say what I, I say every time this comes up, because yeah. this is like the he ninth believes time that now, now that Gus Malzahn, he believes it now. We'll see if he believes it when there's jobs there. I, th- I yeah. genuinely think he means it now, but it's easy to mean that when you haven't coaching it yet. Yeah, I do too, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, actually Malzahn also on, on Thursday made some, some news. I don't know if he made news, but um, some interesting tweets that he put out uh, from his Twitter account. He sent out a tweet to Elon Musk proposing that uh, Elon Musk buy the naming rights to the bounce house to make it SpaceX stadium, which I'm all for it. Um, he also had another tweet um, coming out in support of, well, not support, but uh, against the, the change to the NIL, the, the NLI, NIL, NLI. Name NIL, NIL. NIL, I can't, yeah. To the NIL, uh, Bill, they, they have proposed that, uh, I guess they've said they're going to change the, the, effect of, uh, the effective date from this year to next year. A lot of players and coaches aren't happy about that. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, Volleyball-wise, McKenna Melville was uh, given more honor. She was named to uh, the All-American third team by VolleyballMag.com. Softball, they had a great weekend for themselves. Uh, Four-game weekend sweep at Memphis. They won 10-2 to and 8 to nothing on Friday, 8 to nothing on Saturday, and 3-1 to on Sunday. Uh, game two of Friday's doubleheader, Gianna Mantra threw a no-hitter. And for the weekend, she had two outings. She pitched 13 innings, gave up just two hits, almost threw another no-hitter on Sunday. Uh, allowed one run, 23 strikeouts in those 13 innings. She was named to the AAC's weekly honor roll. I didn't see who was named AAC Pitcher of the Week, but I don't know how it wasn't her. Uh, but Jada Cody was named the AAC Player of the Week, uh, hitting 417 with three home runs and five RBIs over the weekend. So a great weekend for her. Uh, UCF is now 34-12-1 overall and 13-6-1 in the AAC. That has them fourth in the conference right now. And uh, in terms of the rankings, they're number 25 in the USA Today slash NFCA coaches poll number 24 in the d1softball.com poll, number 24 in the espn.com slash USA softball collegiate top 25. And they dropped three spots in the RPI down to number 31 because I think Memphis's record was like seven and 30 or something really bad. So playing a, a conference series really hurt their RPI. Uh, baseball, they had a nice weekend for themselves as well. They split a four game weekend series at number seven ECU. They lost four to, 12, uh, four to two on Friday before coming back in the second game of the doubleheader with a 10-5 win. And they lost 11 to eight on Saturday before bouncing back to split the series on Sunday with a six to one win. They're now 19 and 21 overall and they're nine and seven in the AAC. They're sitting third in the conference right now. And Jack Sinclair and Josh Crouch were named to the AAC's weekly honor roll for their role in the weekend series split. 
Uh, men's soccer. I, you know, what I did last week. You know, how I closed out of the the news. Uh, I did it again, but I'm back. Um, former former UCF Knight Cal Jennings made his MLS debut as a sub in LAFC's 1-1 draw against Seattle. Um, really cool to, to see that. Men's tennis, they had a conference championship winning weekend. They won 4-0 against number 33 Wichita State on Friday in the semifinal, then won 4-0 on Saturday uh, against number 29 South Florida, winning the program's first AAC title and their first title overall since 2005. Uh, they've finished, or they're now 21-3 and overall. And they're up to their number nine in the Oracle slash ITA team rankings. And in terms of uh, individual and doubles rankings, uh, in the singles, Gabe DeCamps is number 10. Juan Pablo Grassi Mazzucci is number 87. And then the double rankings, uh, Trey Hildebrand and Bogdan Pavel are at number nine. Hildebrand and DeCamps are at number 37. And Grassi Mazzucci and Pavel are at number 82. Women's tennis, they won a conference championship themselves over the weekend. Uh, had to play three matches in their conference tournament. They won four to one in the quarterfinal against South Florida on Friday, four to nothing against Houston in Saturday's semifinal, and they beat number 46 Tulsa four to one on Sunday to win their second straight AAC tournament championship. They're now 18 and four overall, and they're still number eight in the Oracle slash ITA team rankings. And in, in the singles rankings, Valeria Zaleva is number 17, and Rebecca Stolmar is number 37. So both men's and women's tennis joining volleyball and men's soccer for winning conferences. Like I mentioned earlier, that's four conference titles uh, in Mohajer's tenure so far. So that's a, a great start. Men's golf, they tied for fifth in their AAC tournament while South Florida won it and um, actually made a little bit of news other than uh, otherwise from that. It was uh, Michael Vasaki, who played for UCF during the 2012-2013 season, uh, went kind of viral because he was uh, he's competing this weekend on the PGA Tour for the first time in his career. He qualified for the Valspar Championship after seven years on many tours. Um, there was a, a video that was out there. I think UCF tweeted it. It's been all over uh, where after he qualified on Monday, he called his dad and gave him the news. Uh, really emotional, really exciting for him to, to be playing at Vals Valspar this weekend. I think he obviously wants to go out and do the best that he can, but I think just being there is probably – has to be a pretty rewarding experience. Uh, he was three over on Thursday in his first round, and he'll need a big, a big day on Friday to make the cut for the weekend. But still, just such a cool experience, such a, a rewarding thing for him and his family to, to have him experience that. Um, really awesome stuff. Women's golf, they found out they've uh, earned a bid to regionals. They're one of 18 teams at the Louisville Regional, which will take place May 10th through 12th. Uh, outdoor track and field had another great weekend. First day of the Knights invite uh, over the weekend, they had athletes on, uh, compete in three events, and in each of those three events, they had a, a night that earned a top five finish. And then the second day, Renaya Jones broke the UCF record and the 100-meter hurdle for the win. Uh, her time was also a U.S. Olympic team qualifying time and is the top time on the American Athletic Conference's all-time performance list. So a, a huge, huge uh, result for her. She was named uh, – she repeated as the AAC Track Athlete of the Week because of that. And also, Adrian Adams won the discus title, and Ashera Collins won the triple jump title. So – a really good season for outdoor track and field has continued. Uh, UCF cheer, they finished as national runner-up um, at the UCA Nationals earlier this week after winning it last year. And then finally rowing, they were a, a third-place finish at the Lake Wheeler invite behind number 13, Duke, and Clemson, who's receiving votes in the top 25. Uh, we'll look at the road ahead to uh, the, the next week or so for UCF sports around the kingdom. Softball have a three-game weekend series at Ole Miss. This weekend, uh, baseball has a four-game home uh, series against Memphis. They have a doubleheader on Friday. Then they'll play Saturday and Sunday. 
men's soccer has the uh, first round of the NCAA tournament. They'll play number 17, James Madison, in North Carolina on Sunday evening, 5 p.m. Uh, men's tennis and women's tennis both have their selection shows on Monday. Men's golf, they have a, the teams and the individuals participating in the NCAA championships will be announced on Wednesday, so their, their own selection show of sorts. Uh, the Southeast Regionals will be held, held in Tallahassee uh, in the middle of May. Outdoor track and field, they have uh, Thursday and Friday at the UNF Invitational. It's the last meet of the regular season before their conference, um, their conference meet. And with that, we'll go to the uniform of the week, Christian. We're breaking down the, the previous winners before we get your, your winner for this week. Men's soccer has won it four times, twice for the Gray Pegasus and twice for the Blackout. Women's basketball, once with the Blackout. Baseball, twice with the Pegasus. One of them, one of those was with the Citronaut hats and the Road Grays have won once. And then football for the spring game with the white, white, black combo. I'll throw it over to you. I need a sip of water. Christian, your uniform of the week. Yeah, I just, I wasn't feeling it this week. Really? I, I, I looked at what they wore. I, I'm kind of like baseball's just doing a lot of stuff this year. I don't really like. They're wearing those road grades I don't like too much. Um, I'm just not really big on softball's uniforms. I really wanted to give them one because I haven't given them one. And I'm just like, I don't like what you're wearing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just decided that I'm going to retroactively give uh, UCF men's soccer another win for their blackouts. Um, <laughs> because... I can do this because a, it's my thing. I guess and, it, yeah. and B, I did not give it to them one week because I said, I felt they were wearing them too much. And this was before I realized that they were wearing them because they hadn't lost since they started wearing them. Yeah. So I felt <laughs> that that was unfair. So I'm now retroactively awarding them a win for that week. They're splitting with, I believe I gave it to baseball that week. I think so. Yeah. So they're splitting it with baseball. So congratulations. That was. was that two weeks soccer. ago? Uh, no, that was, this was a while ago. Wow. Um, but okay. so congratulations to men's soccer. Uh, Fair enough. The, you know, when like Alabama in like the nineties was like, wait a minute, we think we won four national championships <laughs> in the forties. That's kind of like what this yeah, is. Yeah, it kind of is. I Men's soccer is like, all right, well, we're five time winners now. And despite <laughs> the fact that we didn't soccer. play this week, but yeah, congrats, congrats to them. Um, I'm sure they'll probably be wearing the blackouts on Sunday against James Madison. If I had to guess if, if they have a choice in that, they definitely will. Um, we'll, we'll see on Sunday, I guess. Um, but with that, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, wrap up here and we want to thank you guys so much for listening uh, to episode 15 we'll be back next week obviously with episode 16 we'll be recapping uh, where everybody landed in the NFL draft we'll also have another UCF football centric topic to talk about and until then you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports now again thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye everybody <laughs>